of the Oakwood University Church in Huntsville, Alabama. And he is a speaker and director of the Breath of Life television ministry here in North America. Dr. Bird is a graduate of Oakwood University in Alabama where he graduated with a Bachelor of Arts degree. I hear the Oakwoodites saying amen. Praise the Lord. All right. And also he is with a Bachelor of Science degree in Business Administration. He is a graduate of Tennessee State University where he earned his Master's of uh, Master in Business Administration degree. He is a graduate of Andrews University Theological Seminary in Barron Spring where he earned both a Master of Divinity and also a Doctor of Ministry uh, degree. In his 19 years of pastoral leadership, Dr. Bird has constructed and renovated churches. He has baptized over 3,000 persons, serving on numerous denominational and community boards, along with serving as guest minister on the Trinity Broadcasting Network, TBN. Since his arrival in August 2006 as the senior pastor of the Berean Seventh-day Adventist Church in Atlanta, over 1,400 persons were baptized. Church attendance doubled and church buildings was renovated and a television ministry has been launched in collaboration with the Breath of Life television ministry. The legacy will continue at Oakwood and continues at Oakwood University Church where uh, Breath of Life Ministry or Telecast is, that's the home of Breath of Life te uh, Television Ministries, right? Just to make it clear. Uh, in Dr. Bird's uh, former field of ministry in Atlanta, Georgia, the brilliant church was, has, was awarded $5.2 million grant from the United States Department of Housing and Development, HUD, in January 2009. Uh, it constructed 50 apartment, um, uh, 50 apartment senior uh, housing facility, where is, is scheduled to be completed early 2012. It's done, right? All right. Uh, in October 2009, the Brian Church was named North American Division 2009 Innovative Church of the Year. Can you believe that? That's the Brian Church. In January 2011, the Brian Church held a ribbon-cutting seminary, seminary ceremony where it, uh, its new outreach ministry center directly across the street from Main Sanctuary, which is a community-based ministry that the church that house a youth uh, activity center, barbershop, beauty salon, health fitness center, juice bar, clothes uh, closet, and food punch pantry. Can you imagine that? All of these ministries coming out of one church. 
the recipient of numerous honors and achievement, Dr. Bird received the coveted Chosen Pastor Award for Atlanta's Gospel Choice Award in 2007, was named one of the prize residents of the Who's Who in Black Atlanta for 2008 and 2009 and was selected as Oakwood University Alumnus of the Year in 2008. And in April 2008, he was inducted in the Martin Luther King Board of Preachers at Morehouse uh, College in Atlanta, Georgia. Dr. Bird is happily married to farmer Daniel um, Monter, and they are proud parents of three girls, Christine, Kayla, and eight months old, recently born eight months old, Clarissa. One of the things in terms of, this is a long introduction, but I want you to know, I want you to know more than anything that this pastor with the bow tie, he's a man of God. He is a humble man. And he's a man that is willing to be used by God. And I, it's an honor to call him friend and knowing that God is leading him in higher heights. Pray for him as he delivers the word today and as he continues in his journey. After the special music, the next voice that we will hear is that of Dr. Carlton P. Bird. Church, happy Sabbath. To know you is to love you, to place no one above you, to know you is to trust you. Suffering 
say happy Sabbath to everyone. It's good to be here and be in the house of God and to, to worship with you. I echo the words of our pastor as it relates to all those who make this ministry and this worship experience what it is. Uh, from the musicians who've been here nightly and the ushers and the sound and video engineers, the deacons, deaconesses, elders, and everyone who makes this possible, praise God for you. And thank you so very, very, very much. I want to say thank you, Pastor Madden, uh, for his warmth. There, okay, moved there to be with his wife, all right. For his warmth and hospitality. Um, this, I've made multiple trips to Las Vegas. Uh, this is my second trip to Abundant Life. Uh, I was here uh, when Dr. Rock served as pastor, and now I have the privilege of coming back. When Pastor Madden is the pastor, and I can still see God is still moving. Can you say amen? And so, praise God for your pastor. Can you praise the Lord for Pastor and Sister Madden today and their ministry? He did say one thing in the introduction. Uh, he said uh, that I have, my wife and I, an eight-month-old. Let me put that in context. My wife, we were, we were trying to make it that this trip... Uh, that she would be able to come with me and also not just my wife but our daughters. But when we uh, agreed to this assignment over a year ago, uh, my family was not what it is today. In fact, if our daughter were eight months, probably they would have come. Our daughter is not eight months. Our daughter is eight weeks. So I, we have a new baby in every sense of the word. Um, some say, well, you're a young man. No, I'm, I'm a little closer to Abraham. <laughs> um, God just has his way. Um, I, I'm over the AY age. Come on, say amen. And so now we have a 13-year-old, an 11-year-old, and an 8-week-old. So we have a wide spectrum. 
But praise God for the 13 and 11-year-olds, we have free babysitters. Come on, say amen. So we're praising God. So on the next trip, we will somehow, all five of us, have to come out and be with you here in Las Vegas at Abundant Life. Can you say amen? I'm grateful, as I said, for Pastor Madden, grateful for Dr. Rock. I see he has stepped in. God bless you. Come on, praise God for Dr. Rock and what he has meant, not just to Abundant Life, but to the Seventh-day Adventist Church. And we praise God for that. I look out, I see classmates and friends that are here today, people I pastored. God bless you. God be with you. I did not tell the people in Huntsville that I would be here today. I try not to tell them anything because then they won't come to church. And so I, I don't share. I told Pastor Madden on the way today, I was getting all these texts. Where are you? Where are you? What are you doing? And after a while, I went on a text fast because I didn't want to respond to where I was. But after a while, I started telling them, I'm in Las Vegas. And they said, doing what? And I had to let them know we were preaching the gospel of Jesus Christ and that God was here at Abundant Life. Can you say amen? And so they then said, well, how can we watch you? So I told them to go to the website. So perhaps there are some from Huntsville watching today. God bless you. I trust you went to church today. Thank you for joining us now here at Pacific Standard Time in Las Vegas at the Abundant Life Seventh-day Adventist Church. If you don't mind, I want you to stand with me as we read our scripture. And it's a very familiar passage today. We have talked about uh, breaking chains in Acts 12. We have talked about putting war clothes on in Ephesians 6. Last night, we talked about the fact that Jesus is still real and he's a chain breaker. And today, we go to Psalm 100. Psalm 100, a very familiar passage to us. Psalm 100, it's an exhortation to praise God. Psalm 100, because after God has broken the chains, you got to praise him. So Psalm 100, if you have it, let me hear you say amen. amen. The word of God says, make a what kind of noise? Come on, make a what kind of noise? Unto the Lord all ye what? Serve the Lord with what? Come before his presence with? Know ye that the Lord, he is God. He hath what? And not we are what? We are his, the sheep of his, enter into his courts with thanksgiving, gates of thanksgiving, into his courts with what? Be what unto him? Bless his name. For the Lord? It's good. His mercy is everlasting. And His truth endureth to all generations. Today we challenge you this morning because we've got to preach again at 5 o'clock. Make sure you're back at 5 today. But we've got to challenge you this morning with the subject, don't forget to praise Him. God, right now, in the name of Jesus, through the intercession of the Holy Ghost, God, we've sung, we've, we've prayed, but now we need a word from you. Disappoint us not. Lord, fill these aisles, these seats, these pews with the power of your Holy Spirit. God, I'm just your mouthpiece. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody who can save anybody. So use these lips of clay, I pray today. God, we be careful to give you the praise, the honor, and the glory for what you're going to do. Now, during the appeal time, God, I ask right now in the name of Jesus that you would move in a right, mighty way. Dispatch your Holy Ghost in this place like never before. We love you. We thank you. And we praise you. In Jesus' name, let everyone say amen. And amen. You may be seated today. Thank you very much to our musicians. Don't forget to praise him. 
When I consider the state of our world today, we're in trouble. We're in trouble. We've got a pope whose popularity is at an all-time high. Calling for Protestants, Catholics, let's all now come together and let's worship, which is important why the people of God must understand Daniel chapter 2. If you hear talk of new world order and all this come together, you've got to know the word of God and know it for yourself. We hear on the news about a Malaysian plane that goes down in the air and with all of our intelligence, with all of our technology today, no one knows what happened. We've got a building in Harlem, New York that goes down, eight people are killed, dozens others injured, and again, with all of our intelligence, with all of our technology, we still don't know what happened. We've got war, the brink of war over in Russia. And then we are reminded that there is still yet war in the Middle East. Crime in the United States is still on the rise. People can't find jobs. Money is low. Homes are being destroyed daily. Husbands and wives aren't making it. Children aren't making it. Identity issues are rampant. People are dying left and right, and not just old people either. We've got young folk dying. We're living now in a scenario where parents are burying their children. And I've been in the church all my life. I must admit I'm fifth generation and seventh Adventist Christian, paternally and maternally. I'm Adventist born, Adventist bred, and I will be Adventist dead. Thank God for the Adventist church. And I've been in the church all my life. I was born in this thing. And I must confess to you today, growing up in the church, I used to wonder because I would see people praise God in church. And I would look at people, and I would look at them a little strange when they would praise God in church because you really don't know what people have gone through just to get here. And now that I've gotten a little older and I've experienced some things for myself, I've observed some things in life for myself, I better now understand why people praise God like they do. You see, I better now understand why people just cry when they come in the presence of God. I better understand now that I've gotten a little older why some people just smile when they come into the presence of God. I understand better now why some people just lift holy hands when they come in the presence of God. I understand better now why some people just say amen when they come in the presence of God because you do know that how we respond to God has everything to do with our knowledge about how God responds to us. You see, we come to church, but we don't know, and we look at some people, and we don't realize what they've been through during the week. You see, you see their hats, and their suits, and their ties, and their bow ties, and their clothes, and their wardrobe, but that doesn't tell the story. You see, some people are bruised, but they're here. Some people are battered, but they're here. Some people have been laid off but they're here. There's somebody in here today that does not have a dollar to their name, but they're here. There's someone today in stage three or four cancer, but they're here. Some folk have been talked about, 
but they're here. Some folk are coming out of some messy situations, but they're here. Some folk have lost everything, and it appears as if they were going to lose their minds, but they're still here. And you see, it's difficult to understand or relate to somebody who has been the recipient of God's goodness because these are people who often express themselves in ways other folk don't understand. You see, I've learned when all else has failed you and you have nothing else and nobody else to sustain you but God, you will worship and you will praise God like you just don't care. I mean, has anybody seen God pay the rent when you didn't have money? Has anybody literally seen God put food on your table when you didn't have money to buy food? When you have literally seen God stretch your dollars, provide for your basic needs while you are unemployed or between jobs? Has anybody ever had that cancer go in remission? When you've literally seen God raise you up or God raise a friend or family member up off of their sick bed of affliction when the doctor said there was nothing else that he or she could do. When you have seen God save your life and rescue you when all the people, you know, some of us, you grew up with certain people and those people are now nowhere to be found and God just rescued you. God pulled you out of a certain situation and you're wondering where all your friends are and you're saying, God, what did I do to deserve all this goodness? When you've been the recipient of God's goodness in that way, your praise will be so real. Your worship will be so deep, so heartfelt that you don't care where we are. You don't care what part of the service we're at. You don't care who's looking at you or who's talking about you, but you have the kind of response to God's goodness that transcends your situation where even in your car on the way to church, you have your own praise service. You don't have to wait for the praise team or the pastor or the musicians to pump you up. You've already had a praise service before you got here. You're the type of person that can stand in line at the grocery store and have a praise service. You can go to the hospital. And you can look at some folk there and you're able to say, that's where I'm supposed to be today. But God's been good to me. You're the type of person that can testify that when I think of the goodness of Jesus and all he's done for me, my soul cries out. Hallelujah, thank God for saving me. Because for somebody, I talked about it last night, I know you think you set your alarm clock and your alarm clock woke you up this morning. But I've come to tell you, take that same alarm clock over to the nearest cemetery and see if anybody gets up. The reality is God woke you up this morning. God started you on your way. That's something to praise God for. Somebody, you got in a car this morning you can't even afford. That's something to praise God for. You see, there was a time, if we're real today, there was a time you went to your closet and you knew what you were going to wear. But now you're saying, am I going to wear blue? Am I going to wear black? Am I going to wear brown? Do these shoes match this suit? Does this match this outfit that I'm going to put on? Oh, don't sit like you don't know what I'm talking about. You know what I'm talking about. Let me tell you something. I used to only have two pairs of shoes. My school shoes and my Sabbath shoes. Somebody knows what I'm talking about. We call them Sabbath shoes. My school shoes and my Sabbath shoes. 
Monday, oh, y'all know what I'm talking about. Let me preach to y'all. Monday through Friday, I wore my school shoes. On Sabbath, I wore my Sabbath shoes. And it didn't matter what color combinations I put together, either I was wearing my school shoes or my Sabbath shoes. Does somebody know what I'm talking about? But God's been good. I've got more than school shoes, and I've got some couple of Sabbath shoes. Don't sit and act like you don't know what I'm talking about. You always haven't been able to dress like you're now dressed. You always haven't been able to drive what you now drive. You haven't always been able to live like you now live. And when you come in the house of God and you sit and look like God hasn't blessed you. That God hasn't kept you. That God hasn't saved you. That God hasn't delivered you. I get concerned because David says make a joyful noise. Unto the Lord all ye lands. Serve the Lord with what everybody? Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people. The sheep of his pasture into into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise. Be thankful unto him and bless his what, everybody? For the Lord is what? Come on, talk to me. The Lord is what, everybody? His mercy is everlasting and his truth endured to all generations. I was reading and John Piper said that worship is the ultimate goal of the church. When this age is over and the number no man can number fall on their faces before the throne of God, all this preaching, all this teaching, all this singing, all this ministering, all this ministry will be no more. These are all temporary necessities, but worship to God will remain forever. Isaiah 66 says, for God said as the new heavens and the new earth which I will make shall remain before me, saying, the Lord, so shall your seed and your name remain. It shall come to pass that from one new moon to another new moon, Sabbath, from one Sabbath to another Sabbath, shall all flesh, how much of flesh, everybody, come together to worship me, saith the Lord. So, if you don't like to worship God here, if praise and worship is too loud and too long here, I don't know what you're going to do when we get to heaven. Because when we get to heaven, what a day of rejoicing that's going to be when we all see Jesus. We're going to sing and shout the victory. When I get to God's heaven, I'm just going to fall down and worship him. And I'm going to worship him and worship him and then honor him and adore him and exalt him and extol him and magnify him and praise him. And let me throw this in right now free of charge. I say it all the time, especially at Oakwood. We need balance in our worship. We have to have something for everyone. Young and old, new member and seasoned member, visitor and neighbor, educated and uneducated. We need law and grace, religion and relationship. We need cognition and emotion, information and inspiration, integrity and intensity, amen and hallelujah. We need holy scriptures, and we need the Holy Ghost. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord, all ye lambs. There are so many scriptures in the word of God that have meaning, but I believe what brings us together for the purpose of gathering together for worship is Psalm 100. It encompasses the totality of what God intends worship to be. I believe that, friends, we ought not just come to church just to come to church. We did not come and drive all these miles, get all dressed up, try to fight to find a parking space, which I had to do this morning. Come on, say amen. Or have to fight to find a seat just to come to church. We ought to come to church, and church ought to mean something. Something ought to happen when we show up. 
If nothing happens, if there's no visitation of the Holy Ghost, why are we here in the first place? There ought to be something that when we get into the house of God, something that this experience does to each of us, which causes us to validate why we even come, even when we don't feel like it. I get concerned when I hear people say, I don't feel like coming to church. I'm glad Jesus didn't get on Calvary and say, I don't feel like dying. And so in this song, Psalm 100, David reminds us, don't forget to praise him. Don't forget to what, everybody? Now, among the Psalms, and I have to be quick now because you got to come back at five. Among the Psalms of Thanksgiving, Psalm 100 stands greatest. Thankfulness, you see, is at the heart of a worshiper. Before we even pray and we begin to make supplication known to God, we have to thank and praise God for who God is. When we come to worship God, we can't help but thank God for who God is and what God has done. Some have even said that Psalm 100 must be the origin of our doxology, praise God from whom all blessings flow, because there's not a single sad note in the psalm. Here David shares with us the power of exhortation. And when you understand the power of exhortation and lifting God up, then you will understand as you lift God up, God has a way of lifting you up. Do I have a witness in this place? The Bible says, make a what kind of noise? Come on, the Bible says what kind of noise? Joyful noise unto the Lord, everybody. Notice the Bible, the psalmist did not say, be silent. The psalmist did not say, be cute. But the psalmist said, make a joyful what? Now, to make sure I don't misrepresent the text, got to show you I've been to school, you have to understand these two words, joyful and noise. All right, let's deal with joyful first. Everybody say joyful. joyful. Now, I talked about it earlier this week. I told you this Sabbath I was going to tell you about it. When we talk about being joyful, when we talk about joy, joy is something that is internal and based on a revelation. Joy is not external like happiness, but joy is internal based on a revelation. When then I know who God is and I know what God has done in my life, it does not make a difference what happens on the outside because I know what's going on on the inside. It's a revelation. There's a distinct difference, friends of mine, between happiness and joy. Today, I'm not talking about happiness. Today, I'm talking about joy. I'm not talking about that thing that is motivated by an external reality. I'm not talking about that thing that creates an internal response based on some external stimuli. But today, I'm talking about something internal based on a revelation. Let me break this down. Somebody's still not getting it. When somebody gives you flowers, you're happy. When someone tells you, you sang well, you played well, you're happy. When someone tells you, you preached well, you're happy. When you're single and somebody invites you out on a date, you're happy. And when somebody gives you money, you show enough happy. But there's a distinction between happiness and joy. Joy is not based on some external reality, but joy is based on an internal revelation. Because the reality is, if nobody takes me out, I'll take my own self out. If nobody irons my shirts, I'll iron my own shirt. I'll polish my own shoes. I'll try to make my own dinner. I'll tell myself I preach well, and I'll pat my own self on the back 
because it's based on an internal revelation. It even doesn't matter what the doctor says. Doctor, uh, when I have joy, I, I can appreciate your prognosis. I appreciate your diagnosis, but I've got joy because I know what God's word says because I've got a revelation on the inside that he was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised for my iniquities. The chastisement of my peace was upon him, but by his stripes, I am healed. The devil can take what he wants, but the devil cannot take my joy. This joy that I have, y'all can't take it, and you all can't take it away. My joy is not based on an external stimuli, but it's based on an internal reality. The next word is noise. Everybody say noise. noise. A joyful noise. Now, it's impossible to have joy without joy being expressed in an audible way. Noise is simply information that I'm trying to communicate. But when I try to communicate it, it comes up on the other side of articulation. In other words, Noise is nothing more than something that God has done for me that when I try to tell you about it, it goes beyond nouns and verbs. It goes beyond adjectives and adverbs. It goes beyond syntax and grammar. You see, I can't explain to you the goodness of God. So when I open up my mouth and I try to tell you what God has done for me, the only thing that comes out of my mouth is some noise. David said, make a joyful noise, which means let somebody know what God has done for you in your life. That's why, friends of mine, testimonies are so important. And notice I say testify, not test a lie. We got too much testa lying instead of testa fire. When you testa fire, there's power in your testimony that whatever God has done for you, you ought not be ashamed to open up your mouth and tell somebody of the goodness of Jesus because it is no secret what God can do, what he's done for others, he will do for you. There ought to be some ex evidence that you're excited in Jesus Christ. I don't understand Christians. We're supposed to be the happiest people in the world. Don't just sit there. God's done too much. It's impossible for you to be a recipient of God's goodness and not exalt his name. I'm getting concerned. The world is making noise, and the church is quiet. But when something is good to you, you can't keep it to yourself. And because God's been good to me, I can't keep it to myself. Somebody said to me, you just get happy and energetic when you preach. Yes, because when God's been good to you, you can't keep it to yourself. We always talk about if I had 10,000 tongues, it wouldn't be enough to praise him. Why don't you start with the one tongue you've got right now? Make a joyful noise. Notice, David did not say in the text either, make an awful noise. He said, make a joyful noise. What kind of noise, everybody? Joyful. Now, I wish I had time, but there's a difference between joyful and awful. Do I have a witness in this place? I hear church folk all the time. When I'm giving God my best. 
Well, praise God for that. Give God your best. But Cain gave God his best. Fruits, nuts, grains, and vegetables. And God still didn't accept it because it wasn't what God asked for. God's word says make a joyful noise, not an awful noise. Yes, give God your best, but also give God what God asked for. A joyful, not an awful noise, which means you got to practice. Forget, no, I'm just going to sing. No, you better practice. Come on, say amen. Everybody say practice. Everybody say rehearse. I tell folks, I'm a professional pastor. If you go to a doctor, that doctor better know what he's doing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? If you go to a doctor and doctor's talking about the Lord called me to be a doctor and I'm going to perform this heart surgery, you're going to say, no, 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 no. Let me see a degree somewhere. Come on, say amen. Let me see some experience somewhere. God has called me to preach, but just because I've been called to preach doesn't mean I don't have to study to preach. You got to rehearse. You got to do what, everybody? All right, let's go on. Secondly, serve the Lord with what? Come before his presence with what? Now, this is the keynote of the song. Serve the Lord with gladness. Service is the rent we pay for the space we occupy in the world. Service comes from the Greek root word latreia, which can be transliterated ministry and worship, which means then you must minister, worship, and serve the Lord with gladness. That means you can't serve the Lord with sadness. You can't serve the Lord mad. You have to serve the Lord with a smile. What good does it do to say amen, sing, shout, wave your hand, and you're angry? Rocks in your jaws. Can't sing, can't smile, can't shake hands. You got an attitude. You see, when I get through saying amen, when I get through shouting, there must be some continuity between my worship and my work. Because if there's no continuity between my worship and my work, then I become a contradiction because it doesn't matter how high I jump when I shout, but how straight I walk when I come back down. You see, we can't get up in church. Oh, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house. Although, no, you need to sit down somewhere. <laughs> what you should be saying is, I was sad when they said unto me. We have to learn to serve the Lord with what, everybody? Come before his presence with what? And see, when you really understand what it means to serve the Lord, serving the Lord is a privilege. Some of us think God owes us something because God lets us do work and stuff in his church. But don't you know, it's a privilege for me to stand up here and preach in this pulpit knowing that my righteousness in the sight of God is but as filthy rags. It's a privilege for you to sing. It's a privilege for you to play. It's a privilege for you to be on the sound equipment. It's a privilege for you to usher. It's a privilege for you to teach Sabbath school. It's a privilege for you to cook Sabbath dinner. Whatever you do for God, it's a privilege because at any moment, God will take it away from you. Don't you forget, this thing is not about you, but it's all about him. Do I have a witness in this place? Don't forget to praise him. So when you serve, serve in a spirit of worship, serve in a spirit of praise, serve the Lord with what, everybody? Let me tell you something. I travel the world, 
And I thank God for the privilege and the opportunity. It exposes and educates me on levels I could have never imagined. I fly on a lot of airplanes. In fact, I have frequent flyer miles. Come on, say amen. amen. I praise God for frequent flyer miles because now I have reached platinum status with Delta Airlines. Come on, say amen. amen. Don't hate, celebrate. And so now when I fly Delta, because I'm platinum status, I always get an upgrade. Don't hate, celebrate, come on. And I always get an upgrade to first class. Oh yes, I flew out here first class. Come on, say amen. And so what happens now, I, I love it, I love it, I love it. You know how it's time to board at the gate and the crowd is thick and people are all trying to get on the plane first and whatnot. And then they say, well, all the first class passengers, please approach the gate. And all these people are out here and here's this young man that comes walking like this. Excuse me, excuse me, I need to get in first class. Hallelujah, somebody. I was flying first class. Didn't pay for it, they upgraded me. Come on, say amen. I was flying first class from Atlanta, Florida, fly to Huntsville, Atlanta, Atlanta to Los Angeles. And there I was, got on first class. And I got on first class and went to my seat, and it was one of the new planes. They had the beds and the TVs. They had the hookup for the uh, internet and everything. I said, ooh, this is nice. And there I was, sitting in first class. And all of a sudden, I looked to my left, and there was CeeLo. Y'all know who CeeLo is. I looked to my right, and there was Charles Barkley. And I said, ooh, I'm in, seat, I'm in first class. I'm in high cotton right now. <laughs> I got on the phone, and I called my wife. I said, baby, you won't believe who I'm sitting next to. She said, who? I said, CeeLo and Charles Barkley. She said, oh, honey, honey, let me get the girls. Got the girls. Girls, you won't believe who daddy's sitting next to. CeeLo and Charles Barkley. My daughter said, daddy, take a picture. Take a picture. Text it to us. Take a picture. I said, wait a minute. Let me not get caught up in all this hype. I'm not taking a picture of CeeLo. I'm not taking a picture of Charles Barkley. I'm Breath of Life. I'm Carlton P. Burr. I'm a child of the Most High God. They ought to be taking a picture of me. Do I have a witness in this place? child of the most high God. I walk in authority. I talk in authority. I preach in authority. I'm not taking a picture of them. They ought to take a picture of me. But I have frequent flyer miles. I rent a lot of cars. I have points on those too. I eat in a lot of restaurants. I stay in a lot of different hotels. And the difference you can tell between a five-star hotel and a one-star hotel, there's a difference. You know what the biggest difference is? Because they all have beds. They all have flat-screen TVs. They all have restrooms. They all have granite countertops. But the difference is service. And if there's anything that the church of the living God has got to learn how to do, is we've got to learn how to work on customer service. 
Preach, Pastor Bird. I'm doing the best I can. People must know we are Christians by our love. They don't want to know about the Sabbath first if we can't speak to them in the first place. We've got to learn how to treat people. There can't be a contradiction between your worship and your work. You can't give scripture in one breath and not speak in the other. You can't sing in one voice and then not say happy Sabbath in the other. You can't serve communion with one hand and then not shake hands with the other hand. You can't want people to listen to you when you sing, but then you don't want to listen to them when they sing. It's a contradiction. If you're having a bad day, then maybe you shouldn't be ushering today. I tell people when I do workshop, if you're having a bad day and you're ushering, sit down. Don't be passing out bulletins and you're mad. Take this. Take that. Now sit down. No, you go somewhere and sit down. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Serve the Lord with what? Come before his presence with what? It's the truth anyhow. I mean, have you ever been in the church? Not this one. <laughs> Not this one. Not Oakwood. <laughs> and they were singing, Victory is Mine. And nobody was smiling. Victory is mine. Victory is mine. Victory today is mine. Who wants that kind of victory? I know I don't. People ought to know that you're excited about what you do. Serve the Lord with gladness. In the parking lot with an attitude, going off on somebody. I don't want to turn anybody from the Lord. I want to turn people to the Lord. I don't want to be a castaway. I don't want to be a hindrance to God's work. Let me tell you something. God does not need you to do his work. Ellen White says in volume 8 of the testimony, she says, God can remove all obstructions to the advancement of his work, which means God can do God's work without you. Do me a favor. Turn to your name and say, serve him with a smile. Whatever you do for the Lord, you ought to do it with gratitude. Serve the Lord with what? Glad. Come before his presence with what? The text continues. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us, and not we ourselves. We are his what? And the sheep of his what? Now, you've got to recognize and realize that what you do and who you are is because of God. Understand, we are the sheep. He is the shepherd. We are creation. He is creator. We are the employees. He is the employer. Let me tell you something, newsflash, you are nothing by yourself. I don't care how many degrees you have behind your name. I don't care how much money you have in your bank accounts. I don't care if you have the biggest house on the hill. You are nothing without him. In him we live, we move, and we have our being. God's 
claim to our praise rests upon the fact that we are his people, which means I am somebody. I said I am somebody. And everybody is God's somebody because we're children of the most high God. A couple of years ago, I was watching the Democratic National Convention there in Charlotte, North Carolina. And I was all in that thing. Because, you know, I must admit, I'm try trying to mix church and state, but I was pro-President Obama. And I was pro him, and everybody I could tell I was pro him, I was telling them. Now, you need to be clear. I was watching the Democratic National Convention, and the night before President Obama addressed the constituents, President Clinton spoke. And he was good. That charisma came out. He was good. And I said to myself, Ooh, what is President Obama going to say tomorrow night, the next night, after President Clinton? I was nervous for him. But he came out that night. And he said, I have a few things that I need to say. He said, four years ago, I stood at this very convention. But four years ago, I stood as a candidate for the presidency of the United States of America. He said, but things are a little different now. Tonight, I don't stand as a candidate for the presidency of the United States of America. He said, I am the president of the United States of America. I said, ooh, get him, get him, get him, get him. So I started thinking about that thing. He said, I am the president. And you know, a preacher can get a sermon out of anything. He said, I am the president. And I said, I am a child of the most high God. And then I said, God who are you? And God said, I am that I am. I am your rock of ages. I am your will in the middle of a wheel. I am your way maker. I am your bridge over troubled waters. I am your company keeper. I am your bill payer. I am your problem solver. I am your heart fixer. I am that I am. And because he's the great I am, I can be all that he says I can be. I'm the head, not the tail. I'm the lender, not the borrower. We are his sheep, the sheep of his pasture. The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He says if you just let me shepherd you, I don't care what your situation looks like, you will never be in want because he says I always take care of my sheep. He says in John 10, 27, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them and they follow me, which makes it clear to me. And I, I said, Jesus, I'm clear that if we know his voice, I'm also clear that he knows my voice. So when I get in trouble, when you see me call his name, don't think I'm calling for you, but I'm calling for the shepherd. And he may not come when you want him, but he's always right on time. All you've got to do is call the name of Jesus. Somebody knows that something happens when you call his name. There's something about the name of Jesus. It is the sweetest name I know. Number four, so enter into his gates with thanksgiving. Enter his courts with praise. 
be faithful unto him and bless his what? Now, let's be clear. The doctrine that is specific to the Seventh-day Adventist church is not the doctrine of the Sabbath. The doctrine that is specific to the Seventh-day Adventist church is the doctrine of the sanctuary. And because of its specificity, we have to be very intentional about teaching this specific doctrine to our church. Enter into his gates, thanksgiving, courts, praise, the temple, the sanctuary area. You see, back in the day, the gates were a part of the outer wall that surrounded the temple grounds. People entered the sanctuary or the temple complex through the gates, and they entered the gates with thanksgiving. Which means, friends, as we enter into God's presence, we must enter with thanksgiving. When we enter these hallowed grounds here on J Street, we must enter with thanksgiving. Here we thank God for what God has done. And then once we get through the gates, we must now come through the courts with praise. Here we extol God for who God is. We get a sense of the movement from the outside to the inside because we're moving closer now to the presence of God. And when we come into the house of God, when we come into his presence, we have to lift holy hands. We must worship him. We must come correct because I don't care what's happening in your life. You must enter into his gates, into his presence with thanksgiving because I don't care how bad your situation is. You've got something to be thankful for. Your car may be a hoopty. Your car may not be the best. Your car may be barely running, but thank God you're not walking. You may not have the house you want, but praise God you've got a roof over your head. You may not have money in your pocket, but at least you've got some food on your table. You've had some good days. You've had some bad days. You've had some hills to climb, but when you look around, and think things over. All of your good days outweigh your bad days. I won't complain. Come away from the complaints counter and come to the claim window. Start giving God thanks when you enter into God's house. Start praising God when you come into God's house. Start worshiping God when you walk in God's house. Be thankful to God and bless the name of God. Now, where the real people at? Because, you know, we come to church and put on an outside show for an unfriendly world. Where the real people at? Sometimes, and I'm a witness to this. Some of y'all don't know my story. Sometimes you will go through situations in life where it seems that you don't have anything to bless God for. But that's when you have to learn how to just bless his name. Because when you bless God's name, that moves you from being a praiser to a worshiper. Because there is a difference. Praise is not worship. Praise sets the stage for worship. Praise anticipates what is to come entering into the presence of God. Praise precedes worship. Praise is the way to enter worship, and worship is the way into an encounter with the living God. Someone has said that there are two kinds of worshipers. Flatlanders and Highlanders. Now, Flatlanders live in only one dimension. Flatlanders are well versed in the Bible. 
They know the lay of the land. They know the routine, and they have the routine. The only problem with flatlanders is that they are living within the horizontal realm. They don't realize that there is an up to life. But highlanders are simply flatlanders who have discovered true worship. Because highlanders are constantly pushing up and up and up and up. You see, friends of mine, a highlander doesn't have to have God do anything for them. A highlander says, Lord, if you don't do another thing for me, you've already done enough. A Highlander says, God, if there's nothing going wrong right in my life, I'll still bless your name because there's something about your name. Demons tremble at your name. Satan is fickled at your name. Waters, rivers, and seas part at your name. Donkeys talk at your name. The sun stands still at your name. Lions lay down like house dogs at your name. Fiery furnaces become air-conditioned rooms at your name. Jehovah Jireh, my provider, your name. Jehovah Rapha, my healer, your name. Jehovah Nisi, my banner, your name. Jehovah Shalom, my peace, your name. But grandma said he's a bridge over troubled waters. Big mama said he's shelter in the time of storm. Granddaddy said he's a way out of no way. And I don't know about you, but I've come to bless his name. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. Let me tell you something before I take my seat. The Lord is good. I don't care what you're going through. I'm here to declare that the Lord is good. I don't care what your situation may look like. Friends, it does not eclipse the goodness of God. The Lord is good. God is merciful. Great is God's faithfulness. Mercy, mercy by mercy, we see every day of the week. Understand he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. His truth doesn't change. Let me close it this way. When a person is arrested, the police read them their Miranda rights. Y'all should know them. You know them, right? You have the right to remain what? Anything said, you say, it can be held against you in a court of? You have a right to and? If you cannot afford one, one will be provided by the, by the court of the state. Some of y'all act like you got some experience with this. Come on, say amen. <laughs> Better watch him preaching. When God has been good to you, you don't have a right to remain silent. Nobody or nothing should prohibit your praise. Nobody should be able to inhibit your testimony. Because if the Lord, like I said Wednesday, has done something for you, you ought to say something. If the Lord has rescued you, you ought to say something. 
if the Lord has saved you and kept you, you ought to say something. Who cares what folks think? Who cares what folk will say? Who cares how folk will feel? Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. For the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting. And his truth endureth to all generations. What is his truth? His truth is his word. And the reason why we praise God like we do is because we tried his word yesterday. And his word worked yesterday. And we still try his word today. And his word still works today. I'm through. But if the Lord has done something for you, if God has done anything for you, there's absolutely no way you can expect me to be quiet. You've got your healing, but you want me to be quiet. You've got your house, you've got your job, but you want me to be quiet. You've got your degree, but you want me to be quiet. God has blessed you with good help, but you want me to be quiet. Nah, God's been too good to me. If you only knew what I've been through, you'd understand why I praise him like I do. You'd understand why I act like I do, why my voice inflates, and why my eyes bulge and get big. You don't know what God has done for me. And every time we praise God, it makes the devil nervous. And I want to make the devil nervous. I want to make him nervous. I want the devil to be scared. I want the devil to know that there's something happening on J Street. There's something happening on J Street. And what's happening on J Street is not what's happening on Las Vegas Boulevard on the Strip. But there's something happening on J Street. And that we're praising God. Praising God not just with what we say, but praising God with how we live. So praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in the firmament of his power. Praise him according to his excellent greatness. Praise him with the sound of the trumpet. Praise him with the psaltery and the harp. Praise him with the timbre and the dance. Praise him with the string instruments and organs. Praise him upon the loud cymbals. Praise him upon the high sounding cymbals. Let everything. Oh, y'all didn't hear me. I said let everything. Let everything, let everything that hath breath praise ye the Lord. Make a joyful noise unto the Lord. All ye lands, serve the Lord with gladness. Come before his presence with singing. Know ye that the Lord, he is God. It is he that hath made us and not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. Enter into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and be thankful unto him and bless his name. For the Lord, for the Lord, for the Lord is good. His mercy is everlasting, and his truth endureth to all generations. Give God a praise all over this building. Oh, come on and praise him. Sing it with me, everybody. And pray. Oh, pray. And 
now pray. Jesus. Blessed Savior. He's worthy to weep. Again, praise him, everybody. Come on, let's pray. In the morning time, pray. In the noonday. Oh, and Jesus, blessed Savior, oh, he's God, in the name of Jesus right now, we praise you. But God, the greatest way we can praise you is to live for you. The greatest way we can praise you is to obey you. The greatest way we can praise you, God, is to walk as you would have us to walk. To know you is to love you. To love you is to obey you. To obey you is to serve you. And so from the rising of the sun to the going down of the same, God, you are worthy to be praised. We thank you for joy the internal revelation that we have. God, we promise to serve you with all we have because, God, we are your people. And so, God, when we enter into your gates and your courts, we promise we'll enter with thanksgiving, we'll enter with praise, and, God, we're going to bless your name because, God, you're good. You're good. Your mercy is everlasting. It's enduring. Your truth to all generations and so God because we praise you because today Lord there is a man there's a woman there is a boy there is a girl that has come today they have heard your still small voice they have sensed the power of your Holy Ghost and so God now it's time for them to get up out of their seat come down this aisle and say to me oh God and to everybody else in here that God they're gonna praise you praise you with their life they're going to live for you. But Lord, not only are they telling us that, but they're telling you that. They're saying to you, God, they love you with all they have. Because they love you, they want to keep your commandments. And they want to be a part of your commandment-keeping, loving family. So God, move in this place right now. Forgive me of my sins in the name of Jesus. Cleanse me from things that are not right and pleasing in thy sight. But God, move right now, I pray. I pray that there be no delay. I pray that there be no apprehension. But God, in the name of Jesus, there's a man, there's a woman, there's a boy, there's a girl. They need a better way. They need a better life. They need to break the chains. God, they've got to walk in your will and your way right now. So, Lord, please, by the power of your spirit, move them. Draw them down this aisle. In the name of Jesus, we pause in this prayer right now because there's somebody who needs to join me down here right now. Baptism, you need to come. There's somebody else you need rebaptism. There's someone else you've been wondering from God and God is calling you right now. And you need to get up out of your seat and you need to come. Not next week, not tonight, but you need to come right now. You need to understand that delayed obedience is the twin brother of disobedience. And so you can't put it off. God has spoken to you today. While you yet hear his voice, harden not your heart. And so you need to move right now. You need to come right now. We're going to sing that chorus one more time. And as we sing, the ice has already been broken. You're going to come down this aisle. Everybody, come on, sing. Come on and pray. Whoever you are, wherever you are, just as you are, come on, praise. 
Come on, come on, come on. Praise you are to. His name is blessed Savior. He's worthy. He's worthy to. Let's sing that verse from the rising of the sun. From the Until wing down of the same. Everybody, he's worthy. He's worthy. Jesus. Oh, he's worth to be praised. Oh, come on and praise in the morning time. In the noonday, oh, and his name is Jesus. He's worthy. I want these people up front, keep playing musicians softly. I want the people up front, join hands, join hands, join hands. It's time to close. And we're getting ready for baptism. But as your heads are bowed and your eyes closed, you need to be praying now for the mighty move of God. There's someone else out there today. And you want Pastor Bird to stop. You want Pastor Bird to close out this appeal, but the Holy Ghost told me to not let you off that easy. There's someone still out there today that hears the voice of God speaking to them. And you've got to praise him now. And you've got to praise him in your obedience by saying, God, I'm going to follow you. You've got to praise him in keeping God's Sabbath. You've got to praise him in understanding that your body is God's temple and it cannot be defiled in any way. You've got to praise him knowing that one day soon and very soon, Jesus is coming back and he's going to take the redeemed, the righteous with him to heaven. And you want to be a part of that number. So God is still speaking to you. In the stillness of this hour, God is calling you. God is calling you and this appeal has your name written all over. And so don't delay. How dare you go back after this service today? How dare you go home after the powerful moving of God's spirit and you still not give your life to him? So while you yet have breath in your body, while you yet have his blood flowing through your veins, I encourage you to get some courage and get up out of that seat. Come down this aisle. I'm going to shake your hand, but you're going to give Jesus your heart. There's somebody you know you've been playing church. There's somebody you know you've done some things, and I don't need to know what you've done. It's not my business. But all I'm here to let you know is Jesus died for you. And all he wants you to do is live for him what are you waiting on God's calling you and so we're going to sing that chorus one more time and you're going to come somebody you've been praying for your marriage you need to come 
Somebody, you've been interceding for your son, your daughter, your grandson, your granddaughter. You need to come. There's someone else. You are saying, no, it's not my coworker. It's not my family member. It's not my friend. But it's me, it's me, it's me, oh, Lord. God, I need cleansing. God, I need baptism. God, I need rebaptism. God, I need a fresh anointing. You need to come. You need to come and join and be a part of this, this cleansing this day. Blessed Savior, he's worthy to be praised. As we sing that chorus, praise him, you come. Come on and praise him. Come on, praise him. Oh, and praise him. You ought to praise him. His name is Jesus, blessed Savior. He's worthy to be praised. Somebody today, you think you have all the time in the world. But the reality is next week's not promised. You hear preachers say that all the time. But do you really think those 200-plus passengers who boarded that Malaysian airline plane thought that that would be their last day? Do you really believe that the person who in some city, in some state, in some country who went to bed last night and that didn't wake up this morning, that that would be their last day while you yet have the opportunity to live for Christ? I invite you to come. Now, I'm going to close this prayer. But I don't believe we ought to scare anybody into doing what's right. Yes, the Lord is soon to come. Yes, the signs everywhere tell it. But let me be clear today. Heaven is not a fire escape from hell. You don't join God's church. You don't take on God's robe of righteousness simply because you're afraid of hell's fire. I'm inviting you to come to Jesus today for baptism and rebaptism for this fresh anointing, not because you're afraid of hell, but I'm inviting you to come because you love Jesus. And because you love him, you want to spend the rest of your life with him. You tried everything and everybody, but now you need to try Jesus for real. And so because you love him, it doesn't mean you don't have struggles. It doesn't mean you have, don't have habits. It does not mean you don't have addictions. It just does mean that you're forgiven. And because you're forgiven, you love him, and you're saying, by God's grace, you're bigger than my habit. God, you're bigger than my addiction. God, you're bigger than that problem. God, you're bigger than that sin that so easily besets me. God, you're bigger than that. And so because you serve a big God, and because his grace is greater than all of your sins, man, Woman, boy, girl, even those watching by the internet, I give you this opportunity, this final time to move from wherever you are and come down this aisle 
Say, God, I want to begin anew. God, I, I want to go down to the water of the grave of baptism. I want you to, I want you to kill my sins. I, I want them to be buried. And then I want to be resurrected in a new life in Jesus Christ. And then I want you to put a sign out in front of that water where my sins have been buried. And put a sign out and let the devil know that there is no fishing allowed. Then I want to begin anew. Today you're here. I want to pray, but I want to give you this final opportunity. Today are you here? Today, are you here to praise him? Because if you're here, I want you to move right now. Don't worry about who's looking at you. Don't worry about what people are going to say about you because the reality is they don't have a heaven or hell for you. But because God loves you and because you love God, because you love him, you love him more than you love yourself. You love him. Not because you're afraid of hell, but because you love him and you want to be with him in heaven. I want you to come. So I'm going to close. And I'm going to pray. But I want you to come. Just come. Lord, today, we thank you for being God. We thank you for being greater than all of our sins. That you're bigger than any habit, bigger than any addiction, bigger than any sin that so easily besets us. In the name of Jesus, set these people free who've come down today. Break the chains in their life, and God, they stand here saying that for the rest of their lives, they're going to praise you. That they're going to worship you. That they're going to live for you. That they're going to obey you because they love you. So God, seal every decision and every commitment that has been made for you this day. For everyone who has come down this aisle, you know from whence they've come. God, I pray right now that you would cover them. Cover them, Lord, with your robe of righteousness. I pray into God for the individuals who are still seated in the congregation who know they need to be down here, but God, for whatever reason, it seems as though the devil is holding them down in the name of Jesus. God, break that chain. Lord, I pray for even those watching by the internet, even those in their living rooms, even those who may be in their family room or bedroom watching. God, I pray that, Lord, a fresh anointing would cover them as well. Thank you for Pastor Madden and the ministry of the Abundant Life Church. God, may we truly live our name, the life of Jesus Christ. May we live it knowing that, Lord, you said, I have come that they might have life and may have it abundantly. May all those who enter this door, these doors today, oh God, may they realize that abundant life is in abundant life because Jesus is here. We thank you. Now forgive us for what we did last night. Forgive us for what we did last week and last month, last year. Forgive us for what we did 30 years ago. And God, we pray that not only you forgive us, but Lord, help us to forgive ourselves. Walking in newness of life. God, we promise that for the rest of our days, we will praise you. We will worship you. We will obey you. In Jesus' name, and for his sake we pray. Let everyone say amen. Put those hands together and worship and praise him all over the building. Amen. 
We recognize you've responded to the appeal. We want to stay orderly. Keep playing something soft for me. We want to stay orderly. Those who have come down, we invite you to come now. We want to pray with you. We want to facilitate your request today. Has God been good? Let me hear you say amen today. God has been good. Amen today. What a blessing it now. The pastor is getting in the water. I have a baptism. And so I want this to remain orderly because, you know, I'm a pastor evangelist and I, I recognize during this time of transition, this is when the devil likes to get in. But there is still someone seated today who may just need to witness this baptism and say, after we have baptized the candidates that have been prepared, that they too want to be a part of this worship and they too want to be a part of this rite and this experience.